At Arizona State University, we offer a wide variety of degree programs online to match all kinds of interests and career aspirations. Programs that are taught by the same notable faculty who teach on campus and designed using innovative technology to improve learning outcomes and equip you for post-graduation success. That's why 87% of ASU online graduates indicated they were promoted at work or received an increase in salary after earning their degree. Find your program at asuonline.asu.edu. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 159. That's hard to believe. I'm Chad Dotson, your host. Joining me today, and this is this is pretty special for me. Uh, we've talked about this for a while, trying to get this uh, this is arranged. If you've heard our intro music uh, here at Red Leg Nation Radio for the, for a while now, we got some new intro music. That funky uh, intro music that mm-hmm. we have uh, in our uh, on for Red Leg Nation Radio. We tell you, we've told you before. It's from uh, one of our favorite guys, uh, Ropadope Records recording artist superhero movie geek and obsessive reds fan freak base welcome to the podcast freak base oh man it's it's a it's a huge honor to be on you know uh you are a uh big part of my uh my daily routine and and it's uh it's a great to be a little small part tonight i appreciate that and uh, you know i'm a big <clears> fan and, and a lot of us are for those of you i know you uh, people have asked me about the intro music but for, for the rest of the listeners out there the way they may remember you and, and be able to connect this I mean, obviously, if you're a fan of the Cincinnati music scene, you, you're aware of uh, been aware of Freak Base for a while. Um, but a lot of Reds fans, specifically, are going to remember that song, Reds fan, uh, <laughs> that 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 you that you put together. Um, can you tell us how that came about? And uh, I may have to add a uh, clip of that in uh, into the podcast here later. But how how did that concept come about? And and that what was that whole process? Well, it was you know there's a there was a gentleman by the name of David Storm and David Storm uh, worked for the Reds. He did the um, uh, lot you know the, the majority of the graphics down on the, on the, on the uh, the board down there between games and uh, he had this idea. He reached out to a bunch of Cincinnati musicians and asking them if they wanted to write song write a song about the Reds and they were going to put it on a CD and it was to it was uh, for a benefit uh, to benefit different causes and such and. Um, so he said, you know, I said, well, that sounds great. You know, what should I, you know, what kind of angle should I take? And he's like, just, you know, write from your heart, write what, you know, make, makes you into the Reds. And so I kind of took that concept literally. And I was like, well, you know, I'm a Reds fan. I've been a Reds fan my whole life. And it's like, I'm just going to, you know, not try to be too uh, clever and call the song Reds fan, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, the, one, the only kind of conscious kind of thing I did when I wrote the song, like with the lyrics is um, – you know, a lot of the people that were writing the, the music at that time on on the CD were kind of used current players, which at that time was like 2006, 2007. So you know, like at the Adam Duns and the and the Griffies and stuff like that. And um, I said, you know, I really want to make sure that you know, I really want this to hopefully kind of stand the test of time a little bit and get a little bit, you know, maybe 10 or 15, 20 years from now, people will still be listening to it. So I consciously um, didn't include any players' names in it at all. Um, so, um, so that was one kind of little artistic choice I made. And the other kind of really neat thing, which I was totally excited about is, um, we got permission from major league baseball to include samples of Marty and Joe 
on there. So um, <clears throat> there's like a section in the song, you'll hear like a bridge section where uh, it's, it's uh, Marty and Joe calling like home runs and big plays for that. And so David got me just a bunch of samples and, uh, you know, we just went to town with it. And uh, so when the song, you know, when they, they put out the CD and then some pe uh, people started kind of, I guess, liking the song a little bit. And uh, oh, a few months later, he said, well, you know, hey, why don't we do a video for this song? And I was like, wow, okay, that sounds great. So we went down to the ballpark, and uh, it was a crazy night. Um, uh, Eric Milton was pitching that night, and they were playing the Mets. I remember the game really well, because after we got done with the video, I, I got to stick around and watch the rest of the game. But uh, we um, literally shot, went down to, to uh, Great American Ballpark and shot it throughout the park. With with the fans there and everything, everybody was like looking like, who is this crazy mug running around here? You know, and the fans. Uh, we shot some of it in the Reds Hall of Fame too, as well, and um, you know, got to go out in the field and do yeah. some there too, which was great. So, and that was back when they remember when the Reds had that, that little couple two year window when they had actually cheerleaders too. So <laughs> very exciting. Yeah, yeah, that was a cr crazy concept, but it worked well for a freak base video. So, yeah. um, so, uh, so yeah, so we got we got them involved and. Uh, it was great. I mean, it was it was uh, it was a, it was a really special day doing it all. And then and the, the the best part for me as a Reds fan that day is um, they brought me up in the box and I was sitting there where they do the scoreboards and where Marty uh, talks and everything. And uh, literally, I looked to my left. And sitting right next to me is um, Wayne Kritzky. So that oh, was nice. when his days were there. Yeah, so it was kind of neat. I'm sitting here like I'm sitting here like <laughs> he's looking like laser beam focused on, you know, that, that time in the Reds. And it was, of course, you know, if you remember, it, the Reds had a great big lead. And then, uh, you know, it was Eric Milton. And I don't, oh, probably don't have to tell you yeah. how that story ended, you know. Yeah, we, and, don't, uh, we don't need to discuss uh, <laughs> anymore uh, Eric Milton. But I, I pulled up that video the other day just to, to remind myself. I, when, I remember when the CD came out, the dork that I am, you know. I listened to that thing over and over and over. And you're right. Sure. I remember a lot of the songs on there. I remember specifically Adam Dunn and, and Austin Kearns. And, right. Um, and uh, and that's a that's a pretty interesting choice and a good choice. And I think it does help it to stand up. Well, it was real, and it was real tempting too because you know, like when you're just the national flow, you just and what you're watching, obviously during that time, it was real. You know, tempting to bring those kind of players in, and even not even current players. You know, like some of the '90 team. You know, Barry Larkin or, yeah. or you know, obviously the Big Red Machine. But um, like again, I just wanted to make it more kind of you know universal. And then you know, a few years later, in 2010, when obviously they went to the playoffs, we reshot the video kind of did an update to it did like a remix of the song too as well and then brought it out again too as well so um you know we kind of tried to keep the the whole thing kind of alive there too as well and if for those of you that remember you'll know this but if you haven't heard it yet you've got to go to youtube check it out go to uh uh freak bass is we have i guess i've mentioned this um uh, he's a bassist he's a uh, funk is is where we are this is a it's a funky song it's it was one of my first introductions really i hadn't been into funk that much until then so it's a really interesting concept and a fun song I, I, i'm a fan uh, oh well thank you and, and you and you got to play it at reds fest right yeah we got to play and we did a crazy thing too and it, it was it was wild so david you know and, and a lot of people down at down behind the entertainment for reds fest they had this idea to where when they opened the door like on the friday when they opened the doors they had us they had me with a wireless on and they actually they kind of had me like pied piper style we did Reds Fest to open the gates and then walk on through, walk like kind of lead people in there, walk, walked on stage, yeah. and then we ended up playing a concert. So it was it was a crazy, crazy concept, and it, but it was cool. It was really, really good. Yeah. Any any cool stories from from your performance at Reds Fest? 
Well, you know, one, that, that particular Reds Fest, which I believe was 2007, um, we played right before Bronson Arroyo. and um, I've, I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I bet you yeah, we all have, like, this year. And, yeah, um, he's back. Yeah. And um, so, you know, first off, he's, and as I'm sure a lot of listeners and, and writers and everybody that might be listening to this know, I mean, he's, like, just one of the greatest dudes, you know, I mean, just such a down to earth, really good, 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 good guy. But when he was talking, you know, we were backstage and, you know, I was just finishing up and he was getting ready to go on. And then basically it, it's one of those moments where he's standing there, I'm standing there, no one else is around. It's like, well, I got to talk to this guy. It's just the two of us right here. So he kind of, he's like, he's like, Hey man, you know, started talking to me and I said, Hey, you know, I know you used to play for Boston. I told him my, my booking agent is actually out of Boston. And uh, so we kind of got in this little Boston conversation and, um, he said, you know, there's this great club you got to play in Boston. And I can't even remember what the name of the club was now, but the story's great. So he said, um, uh, you know, it's, it's awesome because you can, uh, you play, they book you there for two nights. And when you get done the first night, you don't have to move any gear afterwards. You can just, you know, just leave there. And I'm like thinking to myself, here's a guy who's like, you know, multimillionaire baseball player talking to me and talking about how not having to worry about moving gear <laughs> right. and it was but what was so cool about it is the fact that it was like when he's you know when he's in musician mode he's not trying to you know hey i'm, I'm the big baseball player guy i'm just a musician like you are and he, he was on you know that had it at that kind of level too as well and so it was uh it was it was really great you know and then you know obviously since then i've you know hung out with him a few other times besides that him being a big music guy himself and um you know i was real excited that you know when i heard about him you know possibly coming back here this year so uh just because i think he's as as you guys have discussed on the show many times i think you know if if nothing else just the influence that he's going to have over some of these younger guys coming up it's just going to be huge you know yeah i have i have no uh, i think there's nothing but a, a good idea in terms of signing him to a minor league contract and if he makes yep. it great but if he if not what a great guy to have around. I mean, oh, yeah, the best. Yeah. And, you know, one other thing is that Reds Fest at the end of uh, Reds Fest that that's I believe it was the same one. We played two years in a row and I believe it was that same one. What year did Dusty come here? Was he 2006 or 2007 or, or was it eight? It might have been eight. I think it was eight. Okay, well, I guess it was 2007 or 2008 when I played Reds Fest. Because so 2008, when we played Red Fest the next year. Um, it was, you know, they did the big announcement with, you know, with Dusty and we were playing right after that. And. Man, Dusty like walked over to me and my drummer and gave me like the the biggest hug. He talked to me like I'd known the guy for like twenty years, you know. Never, you know, obviously ever seen him. He'd never seen me before. And I just remember thinking, this is before you know he managed one day with the team. I just like, wow, if he's like has that kind of rapport with the per. I mean, it was just that that magical sparkle where he was just like made that connection with you as if like you know you'd known him forever. I was like, if he has that kind of conne- connection with me for a guy, you know, goofy musician guy, he doesn't even know. I I can't even imagine how good it's going to be for this team you know and obviously we saw what the what the outcome of that was yeah yeah and, and what's funny is uh, whatever you think of dusty baker and and bronson arroyo those stories uh, are fit exactly what i would have imagined uh out of both of them i mean they're really just uh seem like pretty good guys both of them outside of baseball so oh yeah. no doubt there's and, no doubt and you know as you know but uh dusty's a fanatical ba- or excuse me music fan yes. too and he he knows his music too. It's not just like I mean, you know. I remember one quote that C. Trent put in. It was my favorite quote. I think I even like. I think I might even have like the newspaper clipping because it was so. He was talking about comparing 
I can't remember what he was talking about. He was talking about something about comparing playing baseball to Maggot Brain by Funkadelic. And I was like, <laughs> all right, you know, the, you know the album Maggot, which is a pretty obscure, not extremely obscure, but you have to be a music fan to know right. that album. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that, that he used that as a reference point for the Reds. I, I, all my friends, musician friends that I tour with on different parts of the country, um, you know, I was like, I, I think I, you know, sent that to him on Facebook so they could like check that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Mm-hmm. I, I used to get frustrated at all the things Dusty did and he did some good oh, things, obviously, but he did some things that used to frustrate me. But every time I started to get frustrated, I would think, uh, oh yeah, that frustrates me. But, but man, I'd love to spend an evening with that guy just hanging out and talking about anything other than baseball. It's right. like, such an interesting right. guy with a, such a wide range of, of interests. And, uh, so that, that's, and definitely music. He's a, he's legendary, uh, to be a, uh, big fan of music serious fan of of music um i want to get into how you uh, sort of became a reds fan and, and you're from cincinnati i know but right tell me a little bit right now about are you uh about uh, you touring your band i want to uh, for those uh, of uh, our listeners who uh, haven't heard you before uh, give us a little introduction to freak bass well you know like as you mentioned i grew up here in cincinnati and um you know, as well as being a huge Reds town, as we all know it is, and baseball town. One of the other things that Cincinnati is, you know, nationally and internationally known for is being this huge funk city. Um, for those that don't know, you know, James Brown recorded, you know, the majority of his hits here in Cincinnati at King Records. And it's like every general, you know, you had, we're talking like 19, late 1960s, early, early 70s. Um, and then you went on to the later 70s with obviously Bootsy Collins um, and, um, and you know, Bootsy, who's produced a few of my albums as well. Um, and then moving into the 80s with Zap and, and Midnight Star. And then so there's always been this huge funk you know, community, Cincinnati, and of course, just a little up in the road in Dayton, too, with Ohio Players and, and, and Lakeside and all those bands up there. And um, so, you know, when I was growing up, when I was a kid, you know, all my friends were like listening to, you know, Nirvana and Green Day and all that stuff, which, you know, I love that stuff, too, as well. But, um, you know, I was kind of getting into like stuff like the Dr. Dre stuff and, and the Snoop Dogg stuff, which was all samples of old P-Funk stuff and, and yeah. funk stuff. And then so that kind of started getting my interest there. And then and then heard about Zap. And then, you know, a few years later, um, uh, I got lucky enough to got I got asked to be on a um, a uh, there's a label out of Japan called P-Vine Records. And it's a funk and soul records uh, label. And they were putting together a um uh, compilation song album about Jimi Hendrix with different funk artists doing uh, songs on there like Ohio Players are doing one Earth Wind and Fire and um, so the, uh, a guy named Gary Mudbone Cooper who is uh, one of Boosie's singers uh, sang with Parliament Funkadelic him and a guy named uh, Michael Hampton who's known as Kid Funkadelic to those in the uh, funk circles were, were doing a song for the album Muddy had known about me kind of I was starting to kind of make my name a little bit in the the scene uh, playing bass and he asked me to play bass on it and I asked him who's producing it and he said oh Bootsy's producing it and I was like what you know and I, I kind of did the head spin thing like in the cartoons and uh, you know he brought me out to his studio Bootsy and Bootsy was producing and engineering the track Bootsy and I hit it off really well and uh, then he you know got in touch with me a couple weeks later and said hey why don't you come over here we'll start writing some songs together and you know for me being a, a bass player and a, and a funk player and all that stuff you know it was like you know I felt like I was you know in another dream world right. and uh, but uh, it, it was a huge you know when you know I was just kind of starting out at that point and it was a huge you know He's one of those, Bootsy's one of those people that's, you know, comes from the school, you know, teach a man to fish versus to show him how to fish in terms of, uh, 
you know, uh, right. starting your career and uh, just really kind of took me under his wing for a few years and and uh, it was it was great. And again, it's all good. It all stems back from the Cincinnati thing. I mean, had I been in New York or L.A. or Minneapolis or whatever, I mean, I'm sure I'd still be playing music for sure. But um, but had you know, I'm not sure if it would be funk, and I obviously wouldn't have had the kind of the kind of influence that I had here being in this this funk city of Cincinnati. You know, uh, I don't think I've, I'd mentioned this to you before, but last year my wife and I went to the uh, music festival in downtown Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, specifically wanted to go to see to see Bootsy Collins, and um, and of course he put on a fantastic show. But uh, I turned to sure. my, I turned to my wife uh, about halfway through, and I, I said, I don't know, this guy's no freak bass. Oh, <laughs> I didn't oh, say it real loud. Uh, oh, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, well, I, I love. I love Asheville. That's a, that's an amazing music oh. town. Just amazing town and an amazing music town too, as well. Yeah, no, I've played there many times. Yeah, it's an incredible town. Uh, we try to get down there as often as we can. So, um, so so tell me, you've been touring. Um, what's what's going on with with the touring right now? Well, um, I, I'm about last June, but not about a year and a half ago, I got signed to a pretty cool label. They're called yeah. uh, Rope Dope Records. They're out of Philadelphia. Um, Probably their biggest artist right now is a band called Snarky Puppy. Um, they, they won a Grammy this past year as well. They're doing really well right now. Very cool, uh, bigger independent label, um, very artist-friendly label. So um, that's really picked up my touring a lot. I signed with a new agent a few years back, and so you know, I pretty much. I mean, I live on the. I'm on the road pretty much nonstop anymore. So. Um, um, you know that uh, the uh, that MLB uh, app comes in handy, <laughs> to put it that way. No doubt. Um, yeah, for sure. So, um, but yeah, it's um, so that's kind of what I'm doing right now. I just um, recently um, signed. A, I don't, I'm, some of those listeners that might know the band Living Color, um, the guy that manages Living Color, uh, got in touch with me a few months back, um, and I just recently signed just literally three or four weeks ago a management deal with him so he's managing me now so there's some kind of cool opportunities that are starting to happen because of that too as well that is just kind of kicking in so you know i'm just working on the next record touring quite a bit and um getting ready for the uh 27 uh reds to uh win the world series that's, you know it is, it is spring so i can say that right hope springs yeah. eternal we say that's right that's right and, that's right and, and that's why you're here i mean you know uh, you've been so supportive of the podcast certainly and and uh, granted us uh allowed us to use your music for our intro and and we really oh, appreciate that but uh but you're here tonight <clears throat> mostly because uh you're a big reds fan and uh let's talk about how your personal history i guess as a reds fan uh, you, i assume you grew up playing baseball and uh, yes that, that was part of it yeah i mean i always joke with people i said uh, you know when i got to the age when i realized i couldn't play professional baseball that's when i was like well not baseball maybe bass guitar so i moved over that way so it's um, close yeah, yeah, yeah. Spelled, spelled close enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was, a, you know, played, you know, all grown up as a kid, probably played till I was about 12 or 13 years old, uh, played third base. And uh, in Fairfax, I don't know if people know where Fairfax is at. That's, uh, you know, on the east side of town. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, just was enchanted by, enchanted by uh, you know, by baseball. And, and, and um, uh, at the same time was becoming a Reds fan too as well. Um, yeah, my mom was like a huge, huge, big red machine fan, of course. And, you know, got all the great stories, uh, about that. And then, um, um, got to, you know, when the, when the 90 world series thing happened, obviously that was, uh, that, that kind of just put it in a whole nother level for me, you know? And, um, 
uh, from there, just has been fanatical about. It. I mean, it's again, it's just growing. You know, it's so much in the uh, the history and the water here in Cincinnati. You just you just you, you just can't can't get away from it. Yeah, you know, I, I was similar with me. When I, growing up, I played and, and wasn't wasn't very good, but uh, but I loved it. And the the nineteen ninety World Series came along when I was a teenager, and it was right at a time where it just sort of cemented to me. Oh man, this this is my team, and and uh, and it's been an obsession for the rest of my life, certainly. And, and totally, and it was kind of the same thing with me, and because I was I was a teenager then too as well, and I was trying, and it was like, and I remember it was like that magical, like all my, you know, everybody obviously was kind of watching, you know, because it was such a big deal in Cincinnati, but you know, there was something, you know, all my friends were kind of like, what are you getting? So I, I remember that's when the kind of the obsession part of it started kicking in, put it that way, right, you yeah. know, just, I mean, I can remember that World Series like it was yesterday, you know, with the, with the, you know, the Paul O'Neill's throw from that, <laughs> with that far right field to that third yes. base throw. I remember that one when, when it was like yesterday, or what was it, Glenn Braggs, right, for that, mm-hmm. that catch, right? I mean, over the, all, oh, those, over the fence, all those, yeah. those little things, those, you know, it's like, those just, and it's funny because I can't even remember, you know, what I had for lunch today, but I can remember that, that stuff, you know? Oh, I remember things about that series and the, the, the whole season that, yeah, they just stick with me. And, and it was, it was a thing where I was already a big Reds fan, obviously. I just uh, sure. loved the Reds, but man, that happened and it came along at the right time to just, well, I've got no choice now. I'm, I'm stuck with this team forever and, uh, and it's been mostly fun. Yeah, and I actually on that series, I mean, you know, I'm, I don't know if you feel the same way, but um, you know, the the Pittsburgh, you know, with the playoff, that was oh, the yeah. one that was like the the nail biter. I mean, oh my goodness, you know, it was like such high draw. Yeah, you know, I mean, not that the 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 A series was great too, just because they were the, you know, it was like you know that the you know the car the Bugs Bunny cartoon where they were like the, the you know where right, it was yeah. Bugs was them, <laughs> but uh, but still that Pittsburgh series, oh my goodness, that's the one that really sticks with me more than anything else, you know. Oh, absolutely. I you know we uh, we. Wrote this book that's coming out and whenever we can get our publisher to, to put it out they've, they've moved our publication date back a little bit but uh you know i wrote about the 1990 series but i also wrote about the 1990 national championship series against the uh the pirates and that was so much more fun to me to go back and, and research and i got to watch i went back and watched a couple of the games again and uh i guess because i'd watched the world series so many times and we all remember all those uh sure. world series views like videos and all that but that was an amazing series against the pirates and just so many so many highlights uh you know you think about that that throw to nail bobby bonilla at third and yeah uh, i know and then yeah glenn bragg's going up and catching the ball above, above the fence and just yeah. a, just a crazy uh, series fun series and and i had a lot more fun going back and reminiscing about that one than I did the series even. So that's a magical year. And, and as I understand it, you're, you're predicting that 2017 is going to be a similar season for the Reds, right? Wire to wire, buddy. Wire to wire. <laughs> that's yeah. Right. That's where we're going. Yeah. yeah so, well. But, you know, I think, you know, if, you know, segueing into to this year, um, if, if, if it's okay to do that right now. Absolutely. Yes. Um, you know, you and I talked about this off air a little bit too. And, and, this, you know, this this team reminds me. I mean, just in terms of the the vibe of this team, it reminds me of the same feeling I had of like the 2008 year, um, which was obviously when Bruce and 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 uh, obviously Votto had been up, and and Bruce was just coming coming up, and and Cueto was coming into his own, and, and uh, that's such an exciting, you know, even you know, in 2008 we kind of knew then it wasn't like they were going to win the World Series in 2008. I don't think anybody was thinking that either. Um, 
but there you could see the light at the end of the tunnel for sure and it was and and it was kind of getting there was that excitement that was in there i mean that's a you know i'm the biggest you know obviously the biggest red fan in the world but the last couple of years were kind of just tough just because it you felt like they were kind of putting their feet in two different, you know, two different oceans in terms of where we want to be, you know. Right. And I think, like you have discussed on the show many times, I mean, I think, you know, a couple of years ago, the All Star, you know, I just always wonder what would have happened or where we'd be right now if the All Star game wasn't here, you know, a couple of years ago. Because I really think that really. Yeah that really changed the dynamic of everything so much, you know, and, and I understood from, from a business standpoint, I understood why they were doing what they were doing because of the all-star game being, it would have been weird if it would have been like all just totally like young rebuild team when, you know, when you're having all this national media coming into your ballpark. Um, but you know, still we all, you know, as we all knew it was definitely, you know, the writing was starting to come on the wall at that point too, you know? So, um, but now, you know, now we're here and, um, you know, uh, with all the, you know, the Twitter craziness and talk about, I mean, I think uh, the Reds have done some, you know, whether it be, you know, Dick Williams or Walt Jockety or a combination of both. They've done, I mean, they've done some pretty cool things over the last couple of years to set themselves up now. And, you know, in my opinion, you know, with a lot of these and yeah. even some of the tr- some of the trades, I mean, the fact you know that we had we got Suarez for for you know the way that we did. I yeah, mean, it's pretty nothing. amazing. Yeah. yeah, for nothing, you know. Alfredo and Simon. then obviously, and you're right for for Simon for and the then corpse obviously, of Alfredo Simon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and still got him back after that anyway. So right. even that it didn't work out so well. But um, and you know, and even like the Disclafani thing. I mean, you know, I'm you know, I, even I was like, and I'm like Mr. Stat like nut. And I was like thinking like. Really, you want to get rid of Latos right now? <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't and get it. Obviously, obviously, something that they knew something that we didn't know because I mean, you know, it was like almost like overnight. It was like boom, you know. So yeah, perfect timing on that. And 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 to circle yeah. circle back, uh, I think you're right. We're at a point now where it's starting to we're starting to poke our heads. The Reds are starting to poke their heads above water just a little bit, and uh, and you do wonder if maybe that wouldn't have happened a year earlier if they had not delayed the rebuilding process a little bit, but it is what it is. And here we are. And I thought, I thought your comparison of this team with the 2008 team was really appropriate. I mean, the 2018, they they had a losing record that year. It was another of a long string of losing seasons, but man, you could really start to see the next good Reds team take shape. And I'm really hopeful that's what what we're going to get this year. I mean, I'm not saying we're going to have a a, a Votto or a Cueto or something, or Bruce. I remember going to see, I saw Bruce actually in Yankee Stadium that year when uh, two weeks after he came up and he was just, uh, there's so much excitement around the Reds at at that time. And finally we have a team that looks like they're going to be something. And who knew, you know, we didn't know when it was going to be. And that, in the same way with the current, we don't know when this team's going to be competitive again, but I just see, I like that comparison because I see some similar things. I see some reasons to be excited about this team, uh, reasons to to hope that some of these young guys, if they can, if they pan out, hey, there's a light at the end of this tunnel. And uh, again, that that's probably not going to be this year that we're going to get to the end of the tunnel. But you can kind of start to, uh, if you squint a little bit, you can see the end of this road of rebuilding. And it's to me, that's exciting. There's a lot of young talent here, and it just. You know, I, obviously, I want the Reds to win a World Series. That's that's why of I course. watch. But right. if, if you if you were disappointed with everything short of a World Series, you're going to be always miserable as a baseball fan and certainly as a Reds fan. Um, I see a competitive team coming up, and I see a lot of young guys that are fun to root for. Are you, you feel the same way about that? Some of these young guys are just yeah. exciting to watch. I couldn't couldn't say it better. Yeah, I mean Suarez and you know even Duvall and Shebler and and uh, you know obviously Peraza. It's going to be really interesting. I mean I'm 
I'm, that alone, just like what's that 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 dynamic going to be like? You know, because you know Brandon's been here for so long. It's just like you know, you just it's that's going to be kind of it's going to be sad, exciting. You know, all those kind of things. I can't remember. Um, who wrote this? Uh, Might have been C. Trent, I think. And I know you guys were talking about it recently on your on your podcast. But where you, they said, you know, you could have you could still be a huge Brandon Phillips fan and still, you know, be glad about the trade that happened, you know, as yeah. well. And um, and that's totally how I feel. I mean, I love Brandon to death, but it's like you know, it was everybody knew it was time. And um, and uh, you know, I just can't wait to see you know what happens with the second base situation, how that that pans out. I mean, and um, and who's going to be you know that that 2008 year? It was was it 2009 that Scott Rowland came here? Is that right? 2000 like late, it was that second half of 2009, yeah, right? Yes, what, yes, right. right before the big season. Yes, right, right, exactly. And obviously, then we had that like huge winning record in that second half when he came here. Mm-hmm. Obviously, and um, it's going to be interesting to see if. You know, not that it's going to repeat that same exact formula, but like, you know, are they going to do that kind of thing? You know, I mean, we've got, we've kind of got Scott Rowland and the fact that we got Joey Votto. I'm not saying Joey Votto is Scott Rowland, but I'm saying in terms of that, by the time that'll be that kind of same similar kind of veteran pres- presence. And and obviously, uh, you know, Votto's kind of a quiet guy, but, he, you know, he's leads by example, I think, you know. So you've kind of got that, that in there, too. And that's a, that's a whole other dynamic. We didn't have Joey Votto back in 2008, so that you got – or we didn't have the Joey Votto that we right, have now. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see how that whole dynamic happens. I mean, it's just, there's just so many – variables that could play out and you know this is baseball and you know no one was predicting the cleveland indians were going to be in the world series last year you know at the beginning of the season no one was you know um so um it's going to be interesting to see you know you never baseball is a strange strange thing and that's why we love it so much you you know you know you never know what can happen in one season you know and and i'm accused sometimes of being overly optimistic about things but i i think that you absolutely could envision a scenario where next season is uh, a sort of another version of the 2010 Reds, a division championship season. Now I know, sure. got, I know we got to go past the Cubs, and that's that is what it is. The Cubs are going to be good, but I, I really truly believe that if if things fall the right way, this team could be a playoff team next year, uh, and and it could be a fun team to watch this year. I, you know, I think one thing this team will have that you're right, right the 2010 team did not have. There was nobody on that 2010 team as good as Joey Votto, right. Uh, even though Joey Votto was on that team, uh, and that was the year that Joey Votto became Joey Votto, but right, exactly. Yep. Um, it, you know, I just I, maybe I'm just trying to be optimistic. Maybe I'm uh, being overly uh, overly optimistic, but I really don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that some of these young guys pan out this year. We get Nick Senzel up next year, kind of the way yep. Chris, Chris Bryant came up with the Cubs. You know, similar yep. co- college guys from the SEC. And all of a sudden, uh, obviously it's going to end up depending on how these young pitchers turn out. But if they do, right. there's no reason this team can't be competitive within the next uh, year, year and a half. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm with you 100% on that. And, you know, I'm sure all the listeners, you know, and, and all the Twitter responses are going to be like the first words out of everybody's mouth is going to be pitching, 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 you know, because that's obviously such a huge, huge part of this. But, I mean, there's no doubt that the uh, – you know that the bullpen's going to be way better than it was at the beginning of last year. There's just you know yeah, not even going to be close, you know. right? Right, exactly. You know, and there's a and, chance these young starters can turn into a rotation. Are you as uh, sort of bullish on the the young starters as I am? I think there's a chance to have a pretty good rotation here. 
Yeah, I do too. I really do. You know, and uh, you know, we always have to put in the, the injury word in there, unfortunately. But um, you know, I think that if everybody stays healthy, and um, I, I definitely think there's a really good shot of that too, as well. Yeah. Well, you know, you, we've got so many young guys who uh, have a chance of being a uh, number two, three, four starter, something like that. I think one of the uh, prospect analysts said there's no team in baseball that has as many guys that are almost guaranteed to be uh, at least a number four starter. And you can make a pretty good rotation when you start getting, a, you know, get a couple of twos and a, a couple of threes and a four starter. And, and that's, I don't know that we have anybody that's going to be a super ace unless it ends up being Cody Reed or Amir Garrett, but they certainly right. have that potential. But I think there's so many guys, even going down to guys like Rookie Davis and Sal Romano, sure. so many guys in the mix. If they can't find five good starters out of that bunch, and then, you know, fingers crossed, Homer Bailey ever comes back and is uh, uh, halfway decent. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, Scalfani is going to be great. I think he's yep. turned turned the corner. I really think Brandon. And he got didn't he just today? I thought he read. Didn't he just get approved to play again today? I thought I read that. Yeah, yeah. I was a little worried yeah, about yeah. they they skipped over his first spring training start, but he's been approved to throw again. So okay, good. Um, yeah, uh, fingers still crossed on him because we the Reds can't have him and Homer out. But I think he's going to be the ace this year. Brandon Finnegan, Fangraphs dot com predicted Brandon Finnegan to be the ace this year. So uh, wow. yeah, I mean, so again. I think that some of that is looking through Pete Rose colored glasses, as I say. But, uh, <laughs> right, right, right. But on the other hand, that's exciting to me that, that, that you have that hope that these guys can, can pan out. And we've not had that hope, like you mentioned a minute ago. The last couple of years, there's really the Reds have said we're not going to compete, and there's not right. been a whole lot of hope. And so that's why this year, I think, is so much more exciting as a Reds fan than anything we've seen since uh, you know, probably 2012 or 13. Yeah, I agree too, and and I, and like we, you know, saying just like with the guys being, they're all you can tell every all those guys are so hungry too as well, you know, um, and you just kind of you just sense that with with those kind of kind of teams like that, just like I going back to that two thousand eight analogy, you know, everybody was out to kind of prove something, a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, which is kind of a can be a good thing sometimes if it's if it's healthy, and um, I definitely feel feel that you know, and um, I mean I've become in the last couple of years I'm a huge Suarez fan. I mean you know you can I'm I'm I've never been the type to go out. And buy a jersey with the name on the back but if i was i'd probably go get one get one of his jerseys on the back just because he's right? just he just yeah i mean he just like it's just been so fun watching his trajectory and he, it's, it's it's weird how much he's it's i mean i guess it's not really under the radar because i mean everybody's been you know acknowledging it and i know a lot of his defensive you know um you know getting his defense together has been you know part of the thing that's kind of maybe kept him down uh out of the spotlight as much as it is but i mean man just like he just look when he's on a roll, he's just like a hitting machine, you know. It's it's amazing to watch him, and it's just he's one of those he's one of those at bats, just like Votto. Whenever he's at bat, he's the one I want to go watch watch, you know. Yeah. And 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 that's always exciting, you know, and, as as a, as a viewer. And I think he is. Uh, I think under the radar is the right way to put it. I think that the, we've talked a lot in the last year, certainly about what's going to happen with the Reds infield. You know, we got Jose Peraza and Dilson Herrera. They traded Jay Bruce for Dilson Herrera. Is he going to be the second baseman? And right. And uh, Nick Senzel was drafted number two overall last year to play third base. And and I've said a couple times at Red Leg Nation, and, and of course I think we've said it here at the podcast too. There has to be, has to be a spot in that infield, whether it's second base or third base or shortstop. I don't know where. There has to be a spot for Eugenio Suarez. He's the only one of these guys we're talking about that has established himself as a major leaguer, and he's just 24. I mean, he's still he's still improving. I'm with you. I, I think that he is the most underrated player in this organization, and and I don't understand why his name, at least amongst the fans, why his name is not 
sort of in the mix more when you start talking about the guys that are going to be on the next good Reds team. Maybe it's because it's hard yeah. to pronounce his name. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that might be part of it. Yeah, but I mean, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it, he's just so fun to watch, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's just something really, really special, you know, and, and I hope that he's not, you know, one of those guys that, like, well, and I don't think the Reds are going to give up on him. I'm not even bring that up because it's like, you know, you always hope that, like, you can kind of see that he's going to be special and then all of a sudden that he ends up being used for trade bait later. But I don't think that's even probably in the mix with them because they can, I'm sure they can see all the same stuff that we do and they probably know a lot more than we do about that, you know? No, they, they know way more than we do. That's what I try to say. Uh, right. When I, when, right. I, when I criticize, I think, well, okay, I'm criticizing, but I have to concede they have more information than I do. That uh, is correct. If there's, I was going to ask you who, who your favorite guy was on this team, and so you sort of cut me off there. Is there another? guy that you really who's the one guy that if you had to pay to get in to watch one of them other than Votto and other than Suarez who's the one guy you really want to see when you go to a race <laughs> I, like, I like how you put Votto I was like you throw the Votto out <laughs> that's obvious thinking, no, okay. right yeah. <laughs> yeah right that's the obvious one uh, you know if it, if not those two guys you know I would probably have to say Billy Hamilton and oh. I, know, I know you're, you're a big fan I mean but he's just just he's so exciting to watch you know and uh, when he when he's when he's on, he brings that excitement, you know, to to the to the team like no one else does, you know. And uh, I, I, do, I do know, yes, uh, I love I love that guy. Billy is just uh, I've called him, uh, uh, and you're you're a big uh, comic book superhero guy. That's what I call him, comic book superhero center fielder. I mean, he just he does is. things that nobody else can do. Yeah, definitely. And you're talking about you know Suarez coming into his own. Obviously, we've been seeing that with with him over the last couple of years too, as well. Especially last year, you know when he when he was healthy. I mean, you just see uh, you can just see his numbers rising all the time too, as well. And just his his comfort level, just where you know there's you know I think that's such a big part of it with these guys too. Is it's you know yeah part of his his experience getting used to hitting major league pitching and all and they're all the all the technical aspects of it. But there's you know what how it is when you start a new job. There's just like a comfort level you know and and once you've been in that job for a couple years, you know it just changes the whole how you play, how you react, whatever. No matter what 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 line of work you're in, and and it's I'm sure it's the same for ball players too. Especially when you come up as as young as he is, and he's he's still a kid. Yeah. Um, yep. And, and and last year had a league average on base percentage, so uh, he's he's getting on base more now. Yeah, the sky's the limit for that that young man. My other guy that I love to watch, and it's for a similar reason uh, that I love to watch Bronson Arroyo back in the day. Bronson was my favorite guy back when when he was sure. Bronson. But it's uh, Roselli Glacius is is a guy's one. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, the things he he knows how to pitch, kind of like Bronson. He'll change arm angles. He'll change speeds. He's just and of course he can overpower you too. He's got a fastball uh, when he's when he's healthy. He's another guy I just love. I wish his shoulder was uh, able to hold up to starting because I think he could be a, one of the top starting pitchers in the league. I just don't know that his shoulder is ever going to be able to handle that. But he's fun to watch. Is that well? You think there is, is that pretty much one of the main reasons you think they moved into the bullpen for some for that for that reason? Yeah, I think I think they've made the determination, and again, that's a situation where they know more than I do. They've seen the medical reports. Sure, I, you know, he's he's gotten hurt each of the last two years. I think they don't believe that his arm can withstand the rigors of starting every five days, and so but you know, if that's not going to happen, the way they're talking about using him, which is you know a sort of a multiple inning reliever. Right, uh, I think that could be. You know, if he could pitch 100 innings, 110 innings, out of the bullpen, he could still be a very valuable player, uh, as, sure. as dominant as he is. Uh, uh, one of my favorite guys. 
What about um, you know Michael Lorenzen's the one that who's you know and, and on the yeah. pitching front he, uh, he's a very exciting guy to watch too as well he's one of the ones too I wonder like again it's I'm sure it's stuff that we don't know but it's, it seems like he seems like he's got starter material but you know you know there may be things of course I don't know but it's just uh, you know he's got that that feel and look about him you know the way he carries himself when he is in there in the later innings you know you you've, you've touched on one of my my pet peeves and you're probably doing it just to upset me so thanks a lot man. Oh, uh, <laughs> There, there has to be something that we don't know because all everything, all the public information, uh, I can't find any reason why they wouldn't even give him a shot in spring training this year to start. Sure, he he said late last year that he prefers being a starter. He wants to be a starter. He would much prefer. He'll do whatever the team wants him to do. He said all the right things, but he said he'd right. like to be a starter. Um, hmm. He was out for a long time last year, but a big part of that that was he had mono, uh, you know, for a right. long time. I remember it, that. It, it yeah, was, it wasn't just you know problems with uh, being able to handle a workload and he's still young and you're right he's got just dynamite stuff i think he could make an incredible starter and and there must be something again i'm always willing to believe that there's something i don't know but i'd love to know what it is because he looks to me like the type of guy that has uh, not just starter potential but uh, you know one two maybe not one but two number two number three starter potential uh he's got that, that kind of talent yeah, I agree. T- totally. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, it sounds like it's semi-determined already, but, you know, it'd be, you know, I guess uh, it'd be nice if something something changed with that for sure. It did. It, it, w- it would be nice. But, you know, I, I look at the flip side of that, which is I really like having as bad as we as much as we had to endure with that bullpen last year. I like having uh, I like having Lorenzo and Iglesias right. and Drew Storen out there. You know, that's. Uh, Tony Singrani closed for most of last year, and he'll be the number fourth or number fifth option out in the bullpen this right. year, and that's 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 pretty exciting just from a, a standpoint of not having to, you know, have your stomach hurt every time a reliever came in like last year. Yeah, and if they can do it, you know, like the way Kansas City was, what, two two years ago, where, yeah. you know, basically when you got to the, the sixth inning, the game's over, you know, that kind of situation, that would be great, you know. Nasty Boys, Lorenzo Iglesias and Store, and Nasty Boys too, right? <laughs> that's right, <laughs> yeah. that's right, definitely. Uh, yeah. I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> do you have a, a, a prediction for the 2017 Reds in terms of record or number of wins or just any, any predictions at all about uh, what we're going to see? Mm, wow i want to see how bold i can get <laughs> i would i mean i would think you know i mean i'm kind of in the middle of the road i mean so if i'm such in the middle of the road i'll you know this is i don't think it's going on i'm too crazy of a lamb i would say that there'll be 500 this year you know All right yeah you know i mean i still think that obviously they're going to be far behind the cubs but i think everybody's going to be far behind the cubs probably um but um yeah i mean i think i think 500 i think that's realistic for this year and i think that'd be almost kind of a good you know and i'm sure they're probably thinking the same thing kind of a good good mental goal for them too as well you know and a good way to move into 2018 yeah i I, uh predicted a couple weeks ago 81 and 81 that they'd be 500 this year and then some people thought I was kidding, and some people thought I was an idiot, and some people thought I was high. Uh, I was, I was, mm-hmm. I was none of those. Um, uh, maybe a little optimistic, but I don't think it's. I, I don't think that's crazy. I think that's certainly within the realm of uh, expected the uh, the expected range of victories they could get. And when when you think about that, that then we're taking it. We 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 know what we have in the young guys. We're taking that step forward to possibly having a a special season next year. I don't I don't see any reason they can't be competitive. 
I think what's going to be really interesting is the trade deadline this year. Let's say let's say there's let's say they're still you know in fear. Like on paper, it looks like they're doing really well. You know, not so much of like, hey, who can we get to have us win? You know, in 2017, but almost kind of like the Scott Rowland situation back in 2009, to where they know that the two that, that, that they're just above the horizon or beyond the horizon, excuse me, for winning in 2018. So, are we going to go make a go do a big move at the trade deadline, not for the remaining of the season necessarily, but for more like a 2018 type situation? You know, I think that's going to be really interesting. Like if they're in that position, like a winning position or close to winning position, to where everybody's like, okay. This team, the trajectory is happening like we think it's going to be happening. So let's uh, let's you know because you know a lot of times at the trade deadline that might be the spot. Even that it's not the most convenient thing because I remember when they made that trade for Roland, everybody was like, "What are they?" Because I think they had a losing record at that point. I think, yeah. and uh, everybody's like, "What are you doing? Going and trading for you know?" And <laughs> obviously, you know, they had they they had that plan. You know, Jockety had that plan, and um, and it ended up being a really good one. You know. And I think that's what's fun about this this the potential for this season is that you know at some point this year we're going to be seeing whether these young guys can handle it. You're going to start to learn which guys are going to be part of the plan, which guys have played themselves into the, the talk for the next good Reds team, and which guys have it. And you start to it gets a little bit more clear where where the Reds are weak and where they need to go fill in fill in uh, whether it be by trade or, or even free agent in the off season and. Uh, at some point soon, there it, it is going to have to transition to, okay, now we sort of know what we have. Uh, we know what these young guys we have, or we have an idea what these young guys can do because they've got a chance yep. now on the major league level. Here's where our holes are. How do we fill them? And and that's sort of what happened with the rolling trade, certainly. You know, hey, we have this we have this spot that we feel like not just a third base because we didn't we don't think Edwin can handle it, and he certainly couldn't defensively. Sure. Um, but also, you know, sort of a veteran leader to come in and, and the role in trade. Uh, I was a big fan of Edwin Encarnacion, but uh, you can't really complain about the results of the, the Scott Rowland trade. And right. so, um, yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting to see when that happens, when they s- start to acknowledge, all right, we're close enough that we can start filling in these holes. And it, right. it, could, be, it could be at some point this year. I, I agree with you. And that, that, you talk about exciting. That will be exciting when they start to turn that corner. Well, I thought that it was about a week or two ago in the papers, um, uh, Dick Williams, how he said, uh, you, you know, no, I can't, can't remember the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of, you know, we're not thinking of, we're not telling the players you're in a rebuilding year, we're here to win. You know, it's yes. not like, th- that's the mentality that, that these players have. They're not thinking we're a rebuilding year. So it's like, that's that was a really encouraging thing to, to see, for sure. Yeah, it was refreshing, you know, the last two years. Yeah. I mean, I know that they expect the players to go out there and try to win, and uh, that's the, been the difficulty Brian Price has had, because management has conceded before the season began that we don't expect to win. And, right, and they're not giving that giving away that that uh, anymore. They're they're saying, all right, we're here to win. Uh, right, you know, they're not necessarily saying that we're going to win a championship this year, but the right. expectations are starting to shift. And again, as a Reds fan and a long time Reds fan, this is the moment where the next few years could be really really fun. And it's it, it that's why you endure those bad years, right? That's it. That's exactly it. You know, that's what the baby and baseball fan so fun. And, that, and again, that's why I wanted to get, you know, we were, and I'm sure you were the same way. I wanted to get to this point where we're at now a couple of years ago, but you know, it, you know, baseball is, it, it is what it is, but, but now we're here. So it's, it's, it's all good. Yeah, here we are. And so let's, let's enjoy it. Uh, man, I really, really glad we finally got to work this out to have you 
have you on the podcast, and I guarantee we're going to do it again if you're willing to. If I haven't run you, haven't scared you off with my crazy. Accent. No, no, gosh, I'll always come here and t- I'll talk Reds baseball. You know, it's like I, I like you know bore my half my friends to death. You know, like my bandmates are the best because they they try so hard to humor me when I'm on the road with them. <laughs> you know, and I'm like you know if there's a big big you know especially during tra- you know I'm on I'm with when the, during the trade deadline and we're on the ro- road. You know, I'm, I'm the type that's like listening up till you know five till three o'clock. You know that. Right. Day and, and then like you know everything and and they're just trying to like humor me uh, in in the van and stuff so it's uh any chance I get to talk to someone about this one on one I will always be more than happy to do that and I th- again thank you you know for having me on I mean I'm real excited about all the success you've been having with both the show and obviously your books and everything it's just it's just you know it's a great great town to be a re- I mean I still torn so much one of the nice things about it is that you know people ask me about cincinnati all the time when i'm in different cities and and um you know obviously talk about funk and music and that whole history but you know the, the reds always come up even to non-music fans and how much just a baseball you know when i tell people that that on that we have an opening day parade people right. are still like what you know <laughs> they, they, they just don't even understand that you know and it's just you know this is uh you know cincinnati it's you know funk and baseball yeah that's exactly funk and baseball that's the name of this uh podcast here funk and funk baseball. baseball yeah f-u-n-k-i-n <laughs> funk and baseball that's funk right and baseball i like it um well again freak base really appreciate you coming out anything you want to plug anything where, where do people go to find you freakbase.com i know uh, uh yeah very easy to always remember we you know a little mess up on our spelling so it's two e's f-r-e-e-k-b-a-s-s.com i'm in all those normal places obviously twitter i hang out there way, probably way too much and um and uh, same thing, just at Freakbase, and uh, you know the old Facebook page, Freakbase Music. So it's it's all those kind of kind of normal places there. You you find us, us hanging out. But Twitter's probably my favorite. I'm like, I, you know, I always say this: is like if I wasn't a musician and in a band, I, I don't think I'd even be on Facebook. To be honest with you, it's it's a little bit too much uh, crazy drama. I mean, not that Twitter's not dramatic, believe me, but at least that, you can keep that drama down to whatever right. 140 characters. That makes it easier, you know. <laughs> exactly, and and the best yeah. part of uh, Twitter, you know, uh, for those of you go out there, go follow, go follow Freakbase because I remember just a, a, I don't know a few weeks ago. I was up way too late. It was two in the morning or something. And here <laughs> right. comes a, here comes a tweet at say, asking something about the Reds or commenting on something I said about the Reds and a little bit of discussion with Freak Base. Um, yeah, you're a real Reds fan, man. You're 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 the you're the real deal. And really appreciate you joining us here on uh, Red Leg Nation Radio. Oh, well, much continued success, and thank you, uh, Chad, and, and any time, and to all Red Leg Nation, uh, you know, and everybody I've met, you know, whether it be at a game or at a show or anything, just, um, you know, thanks for bearing with me, this crazy-looking guy that, you know, that, that, that that's a big Reds fan. So uh, thank you, Cincinnati, and thank you to Red Leg Nation. Yep. Absolutely. Well, we're going to have you back uh, real soon on the podcast. Those of you that uh, have listened to us, I can't thank you enough for downloading. I know you got a lot of places you could go for your time and uh, entertainment. You could be listening to some funk. But instead, uh, you've chosen for at least the last little bit to listen to us here and download us, and I really appreciate that. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Go leave us a, re- a rating and a review if you like us. If you don't like us, just keep your mouth shut. Um, you can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Google Play. Tune in radio. Uh, search for Red Leg Nation Radio. Um, you can find me at Dotson C on uh, Twitter, at Red Leg Nation, obviously. Uh, find Freakbase at Freakbase, F-R-E-E-K-B-A-S-S. And, of course, you can follow us at RedLegNation.com where we're writing about the Reds and obsessing over every minute detail of the <laughs> Cincinnati Reds every single day. Uh, for my good friend Freakbase, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone.
Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.